Dante, can we get a, a drop real quick? Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, it's just, uh, um, this is Dante Ross, and you're listening to the Dad Bod Rap Pod. No, I have a dad bod, so it's fucking. <laughs> my felt figure has gone left. Um, Same. Stony Island Audio. And now it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your host Timon Carter, David Ma, and Nate Lamont. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, no need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod rap. Pod, 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 pod. And now for my next number. I'd like to return to the classics, perhaps the most famous classic in all the world of music. World of music. World of music. World of music. The first time around, you didn't quite understand I'm going to speak. Don't worry, we can fix that right now. So why don't you all just grab your bag? Come on board, hoist the anchor, and we'll be off. Podcasting live from San Jose, California. It is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I am one third of your host, Demon Carter, aka Dim One. I am joined for in this in-person jamboree by my man's Nate LeBlanc. What's happening? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm really excited to talk about De La Soul. I love their music. They're it's incredibly important to me. Um, but you know, we just have to say, and we'll probably say multiple times, uh, R.I.P. Dave. Yeah. Uh, the timing of this is cruel and awful, but we're here to celebrate the music, celebrate the life, and I'm excited to do it with you guys. Yeah, man. Um, Dave Ma, how's it going, man? Good to have you here at the crib. Yo. Uh, talking daylight. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Yeah, sort of a somber mood, obviously, for obvious reasons. I mean, we were long, it was a long time we were waiting for this uh, De La victory lap, so this is sort of um, terrible timing, but uh, you know, uh, we could have celebrated De La during our first week of recording. Yeah. So you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean. Seriously. So it's long overdue, and we're here for it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 good to to have some dedicated time to do this. Like the rest of the rap world, we're just kind of reeling. Um, uh, Dave plugged to True Goy Dove, so many names, and just uh, such an indispensable part of hip hop. One of those things I think you don't realize until it's he's gone and right. now you're like oh shit um so yeah but we're gonna get into it this is kind of what i imagine to be a, a listener's guide to de la soul most of their music will be coming back to streaming by the time this episode drops and so the the stuff has been kind of locked away right um like how how have you nate been interacting with these records that haven't been on streaming for the last whatever you know it's years. interesting like I, I do have a lot of these records and tapes and cds and stuff i actually have a i brought a bag with me of i think probably like 30 or so de la soul related 12 inches eps albums bootlegs etc but i don't listen to them as much as i listen to like something i have in my pocket you know yeah, what i mean right. like i have right. access to it but that doesn't mean i've spent and i i will throw them on from time to time 
Um, at De La Soul is such a band that reminds me of the era where I had a CD player in my car and like yep. uh, the CDs would not leave my car. Like Stakes yep. is High in particular, I can remember so many different drives and moments with friends where it's just like that was just a very common thing to be on in my car. But I haven't had a car with a CD player for like ten years. Right, <laughs> so right, 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 right. Yeah, I I do listen to their music and it's I you know I'll. I'll especially when it was more Wild Westy and there was no plans for it to be released. I was not above going to YouTube or something okay. to try okay. to find it. But um, something we were t- actually talking about with Open Mike Eagle about at his show um, a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco when we got to hang out with them is like the day the True Goy News passed, all people wanted was to have that sense of community right, yeah. and listen to the music kind of yeah. like reminiscent, very sadly, and kind of presciently of when Doom passed away. Right, right. And it was like that New Year's Eve, and we were all like, well, f- you know, throw on organ grinder and, yeah, you know, cry. cry. Yeah. So um, you couldn't. Like, you, they, everything is super restricted. You know, you guys are hearing this on March 2nd, if you listen to it, and the whole catalog will be released tomorrow or at midnight or whatever. If you're listening on release day, it doesn't matter. But that will that will no longer be a problem, and I'm just so happy people will be able to hear this music. Like, it's yeah. so underappreciated. Yep. It's so under-discussed. They were, gu- they were in... Uh, it would be like the true heads only would know th- about the greatness of Dayla, which yeah. you know as a true head, I don't like. Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to get over that. I'm ready for them to be more publicly celebrated. Right. I'm ready for everyone to be able to just at a moment's notice throw some. And we we usually talk about streaming as this like exploitative thing, but it does mean money for them too. Like oh yeah, they're they're re-releasing vinyl. They're doing mm-hmm. merch. Yeah. They're doing this huge push, and sure. so. I, that matters too. I want that too. I want them to make money off their. Um, thing because as like, another thing we talked about with Mike is like what is the touring situation at this point? Yeah, like, is, it's kind of over. It? Right, it's kind of done. So right. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's so sad to think about. Dave, how have you kind of kept up your De La Soul listening over over the years? Well, I, I mean, I have a lot of it on wax, you know. Okay. So luckily, okay. I go back to that. But I wanted to take a second to shout out uh, DJ Plattern. Yeah, um, some of my favorite work of his is his. Um, De La Heaven, I think that's right. So this is De La Heaven, I believe, Um, part one and part two, Uh, and those are readily available. And um, I list, I threw those on once I heard the news. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, man, it was it was fucking tough. I um, I got a couple offers to write, a couple obituaries from a couple outlets um, on True Goy, and I turned it down because one, I kind of wanted just to like process it and be in my feelings rather than do research. Yeah. But uh, I was telling Nate over the weekend, I was like, if I had to do it, I would have titled it De La's Soul. Mm. And I feel mm. like um, he was such yeah. an anchor, you know, and Pastanusa's silence, I think, speaks volumes as well. So I don't yeah. know. I think we're all kind of just reeling over it. I liked uh, Mosey Reeves' piece in Rolling Stone. I thought mm. that was very well done. And, um, you know, that was the one where I was like, that's 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 what I like to see. That's the one that makes me feel like the the era was encapsulated mm-hmm. properly. So yeah. shout out there. Um, yeah. What about you, man? Do you do you get a chance to listen to De La Soul much? Uh, I have YouTube music, which there was a time where you could upload right. your own music on it. And so when De La did that thing, when they put all of their albums out, um, like I, I snatched all of those things and I rarely open up the YouTube music app. I'm going to be honest with yeah. you. I've almost been paying for it just because I don't want to lose access to the daylight. <laughs> 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 right. I'm like, when I want them, I want them to be there. Um, but I like everyone who could, I just, I spent, you know, days kind of going back through the catalog and, um, Dave's flow in particular is just 
yeah, I'm glad people are going to get to engage with that work, um, especially the stuff on Stakes is High, where I feel like De La was hip-hop's moral center mm. for for a good while. And I think Dave did a great job of expressing, like, how to be cool and fly, but also, like, be a decent human being. Be thoughtful. Right. Be thoughtful. Right. Be a decent human be being. Um, and But he was also, like, wacky and weird. I, I want people to hear um, uh, some of the skits and things that he was a part of, some of their more comedic stuff, um, which we'll all get into. But, yeah. It was just, it it's it's gut wrenching. It's it's too common, um, but you know we we are fortunate, I guess, just to have such a a deep treasure trove of music. So we're gonna talk about De La's first four albums. Um, there's another one after that, and another one, and another one. Uh, but we're gonna focus on those albums within this conversation. And aside from that, there's a whole bunch of B sides and right. like. You know, secret albums, remixes, like all kinds of things. Um, Nate brought his his whole goodie bag, <laughs> or a whole goodie bag here of of the different things that De La Soul has done uh, that have come out on vinyl. So, um, let's start at the beginning, the the dawn of the Daisy Age, nineteen eighty nine, three feet high and rising. Um, just a, a record that heralded a, a new era in rap. Um, and I feel like, uh, unfortunately being the oldest one among us, <laughs> uh, I was 12 years old when this came out and I just remember quite vividly. And I've been going back to this in the, the last couple of days. It's like the potholes in my lawn video. Mm. Um, De La Soul's visual presentation was like, unlike anything that any other rap group had ever done. And this was before me, myself and I, where they were kind of directly poking a finger at, what they felt were like corny rap tropes at that time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just remember the video and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, right. who are these guys? Why are they so cool? Um, they were nonchalant. They kind of didn't give a fuck. It was, it was very strange and striking to me, and I was, I was intrigued kind of off top. Uh, Dave, where, where did this album find you? Was this the first De La thing you listened to, or was this more of a circle back? This was a this was actually <clears throat> the first one I listened to, and um, I was early high school. Um, a friend of mine actually had it on wax and played it, and mm. I remember not liking it. And I don't know if you guys remember, but the first press of this album sounds like shit. It does, yeah. And okay. so I remember kind of just not being into it, but even then, sort of appreciating how different they were. You know, knowing about the native tongues and just them being sort of left field, and you know, sort of the weirdos, the hippies. Yeah. Um, but then I circled back to it and. It it remains probably it's my second favorite De La album of all okay. time. Okay. And um, when I listen to it, um, I hear a lot of Prince Paul in it. Obviously, the yeah. pastiche style, yep. the humor. Um, one of my favorite things is that little video that um, I forgot what it. F- it's like a little like promo video that De La put out where they like explain their names. Mm. Oh yes, that? yeah. And yeah. True Goy is backwards for yogurt. <sighs> like just you know, pasta news and soft sound. Yeah. Things like that, I was like, I had no idea as a yeah. fucking 15-year-old or 16-year-old. But um, looking back, just like when we look at art projects like as a whole, like the cover art, like yeah. everything, the, the sequencing, everything, yep. um, this album encapsulates it all, man. And, you know, um, plug tune and come on, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just 
uh, ground groundbreaking. Nate, where where does where did the the waters find you? Yeah, um, I listened to Tribe first. I you know I mm-hmm. I was more into Tribe when I was a kid. It was more immediately accessible, but then followed closely thereafter um, yeah. with Daylaw and um, I, you know it's like a disclaimer. It's like I love this record. I I really mm-hmm. do. I think mm-hmm. it's amazing. Uh, many people have said in their kind of pieces lately. It's kind of the birth of alternative rap and like yeah. That's Probably a few things in my life are more important to me than alternative rap. rap. Like sure. that's that's my whole shit. I love right. that. Right. And this album is great in its own way. That said, of the four, it's my least favorite. Whoa. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, I don't go back to it that often. It's Whoa. it's very crowded. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on mm. here. And um it's kinda like um people's instinctive travels. Like I know it. Front and back, I could tell you the sequence yeah, of things yeah. when the baby starts crying, Cry, when the yeah, beat yeah. kicks in, what they sampled. Like I love it, yeah. But I don't listen to it all the time. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like I just like I I I like the more mature work better personally. It's mm. it's very it's a very young work, and I I believe they were kind of just out of high school um, when this comes together. In our conversation with Prince Paul, he was a little bit older than them, but um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting record. I think. Um, in my kind of de la hierarchy um, of their first four, this would be number three for me. Um, it's a mm-hmm. record that has like uh, these really groundbreaking moments, um, in particular uh, transmitting live from Mars, which <laughs> is kind of like a skit type of thing. It's just a little beat snippet in there, which I think they got sued for. I think mm-hmm. that was part of, part of their legal problems came from that sample. But I just remember being a kid and like, my fucking brain melting like it was kind of the birth of things that people would later call trip hop mm, like that a right. sound and an aesthetic and i'm like the people are speaking french like what the right. fuck? i was just right. listening to eric b and rakim the other day totally like, what is this <laughs> um i was i was challenged and and prodded in different ways and i remember seeing the video you know seeing their first couple videos getting the record and kind of struggling with it. Like, there's a lot of skits. There's a lot of... Um, you guys know how I feel about skits. Daylight yeah. has great skits, but yeah. they're still skits. Yeah. They're like, it's like I know. reach for the button. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. how many times can you some, hear it? Some things age really well. Some things don't. Uh, and I well, mean, we're going to get to a record with some of the most amazing skits in ever. music yeah. history <laughs> yeah. in, yeah. in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, but but this one, I, I they're definitely um, really leaning into a particular kind of kind of shtick. And, like, I do remember sometimes as a kid being like, ah, I just want them to rap. Like, come on, right. uh, do songs. But um, the, the visual aesthetic, which they would later try to kill, uh, was... It, it still so holds jarring. on though, dude. The, like you yeah. just see, like you, the, like they're still associated with the day glow colors, and it really is brilliant. It looked completely different, and like the thing we talk about, but probably not enough, is just like how much hip hop needed that infusion of. I think people call it like bohemianism or yeah, right, whimsy, yeah, right, yep. or like um, kind of like a suburban. Yeah. take on things like it's just like they're they're from around new york they're not from like inner city new york their right. their set of references are different they listen to different things they felt different ways and like a group of such high caliber of such brilliance bringing that in and making it undeniably good music out of that kind of left field sensibility like changed the entire course of the genre no and totally yeah. and with ev- with everything coming back to streaming i mean imagine being a 15 year old and this is your entry point to hip-hop yeah. 
You know yeah. what I mean? It's insane. Totally. Insane. And and that's the best. I think that's the best hope, right? Is that this comes back to streaming and a and a whole new generations and even folks who are just a little younger than us, because mm-hmm. um, it's actually been pretty inaccessible for yeah. them as well for for a long time. So I think you guys have seen those um, ads, which were quite brilliant. Uh, maybe you can ask our guest about them if he remembers how they uh, <laughs> how they came to be. Uh, but they're like, I came in for Talking Heads and I left with the Lost Souls. Like, yeah. Those like those Woo. those things are like that just speaks to an entire sensibility that I understand deeply. It's yeah. just but but it had it had that crossover repeal for that exact reason for folks that felt like rap was too macho, um, too street, whatever. Folk there was a group of folks who gravitated towards that. And what they or what they projected onto De La Soul, and we'll get into their next record in a bit. But there was definitely um, this idea that, like, wow, they're different. Like, in Three Feet High and Rising is is perhaps the most different rap record of all time, given when it happens. Right? Like, 1989 is a is a dope year for hip hop, but nobody is doing anything even close to what Remotely. what De La is doing. Um, Let's talk about uh, Uncut Gems on this album. People know, of course, me, myself, and I. Uh, Plug Tune In is obviously a smash, as well as uh, Potholes will always be my uh, my De La origin story. But, um, Nate, what's what's a cut on there for you that's kind of a, a sleeper? Um, I miss with Jennifer pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, was okay. like, I, I love a, a coming-of-age <laughs> story <laughs> in hip-hop. Um, de- definitely a fan of that song and the way that it's structured. Yeah. Um. It's like if you look at their songs, very few of them until much later are like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, Ooh. verse, chorus. Ooh. It's like there's just weird. There's just weird little things. There's things that only happen once. I just yeah. find just their approach so free and so awesome. So um, yeah, that's that's a cut I definitely find myself coming back to and like catchy. Yeah, it's mm. catchy, dude. Super catchy. Yeah, uh, they were a quite a horny group. We'll come, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to this, and as we talk about subsequent albums, uh, they had some of the most uh, horny intellectual hip hop that you will, <laughs> that you will ever hear. Uh, Dave, what is your uh, your pick for well, uh, I was sleeper cut? I was going to say Jennifer as well, but um, I wanted to bring up a change in speak because mm-hmm. uh, towards mm-hmm. the end, like um, there's a line. Where he, where they're like sent by the quest, jungle and De La Soul, and that was sort of my first um, mm. inkling of native tongue. And mm. back then, like I wasn't super, you know, I don't even know that maybe the internet just started for us back then. Yeah. So I wasn't yeah. like googling that shit, but it made me think, and it made me, okay. like, you know, um, keep things in mind while I was reading magazines about the shit. And it was so. And I just love the production on it. Yeah, d- that's a great so song. Yeah. Um, it's so. Um, they just they planted the flag. Yeah, the whole right. Native right. Thing. Uh, on Buddy yeah. mostly, but the yeah. on th- that's the peak, right? Yeah. And then it comes back in with Buddy, and they're actually credited properly. Like, yeah. There's uh, there's some weird things about credits on both of the main Tribe albums where you're like, why 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 isn't everyone's name on here? Because <laughs> Tip is a socialist. <laughs> he, he amalgamates everything into. Um, yeah, I think for for me, besides uh, Transmit Life from Mars, uh, Paragraph President was always one because of the use of patterns. When we talked to Prince Paul, he, he said his his only lament about De La Soul is that at some point they stopped doing patterns. <laughs> and like um, on Three Feet High and Rising is kind of peak uh, them doing these really pattern raps. It's, it's why songs like Potholes work and also Paragraph President leans really heavily into that and something that's still inspirational to this day. I think rap has went in a lot of different directions, 
but we're coming back to locking into a pattern, or we would call it a pocket these days. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, super innovative, super groundbreaking, and a record that they would ultimately try to distance themselves from, which is super interesting and very De La Soul. Soul is dead. Um, the title hangs eerily. I know. It I just know. sounds wrong now. I know. I know. It sucks. It, it does. Um, it's it's a, a record came out in 1992, I believe. I think 91. 91. 91. Um, and it's, it's really, in a lot of ways, the title itself is a response to the reaction to Three Feet High and Rising, where we were talking about earlier. Um, there was this whole other audience, and I think this happens again with Diggable Planets, where uh, De La attracted this whole other audience that wanted a bunch of different things that they weren't trying to do. Right. Like, they even talk about it a little bit on uh, on De La Soul is Dead. It's like, oh, Tommy Boy wants another Say No? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they were trying to be pigeonholed into this really, into basically what PM Dawn became to me. Right. Mm. Hip-hop hippies. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. they were they were they were pushing back hard against it, and so that's where the title "De La Soul Is Dead" comes from. And for us, I mean, not to make it about us, but let's let's be real. Our whole imagery and shit um, is derived from that album cover. Yeah, like yeah originally with the with the flower pot. Um, why why did that resonate? I don't even know who even came up with that shit. I think you, you did. Yeah, okay. one of your you kind of we were like we decided on the title like of the show begrudgingly, yeah. and then like you came back like two days later, like okay, here's the thing. Yeah, and now we're like we're out of excuses. We have to post some podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so how I, can you not hate? Yeah, how think, can you not like that? Yeah, one yeah. of your one of your friends. I don't. I don't know. Oh, oh, exactly that's right. That's right. Nasty Ray. Shout out to Nasty Ray oh, who, who designed the original thing. I'm not sure if I gave him that prompt if that came from a discussion we were mm. having, but the fallen flower pot. Seem to symbolize so much, right? Uh, for us and our our whole aesthetic and kind of where we where we show up. One of my favorite images in hip hop. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, if I think about it, totally. And, and I have to say, I have gotten a lot better at taking care of plants, but I've killed a few. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Keep your succulents away from me. So, <laughs> so De La Soul is Dead comes out in 1991. They're trying to distance themselves and even the picture is so de la soul it's such a subtle sly but direct commentary on the imagery of the last album and like the sound they were associated with um everything you thought you knew you didn't know shit right? you did. that's what this whole album totally. is about and totally. they come at it with such a creative this this record is an absolute banger dude oodles of o's it's incredible hey it's love incredible. and peas porridge right off the bat right Kill and it. then Drop a skit and then the um, roller skating gym named Saturdays, Saturdays come on. and Millie pulled a pistol right. on Santa, Santa Claus are both singles from this same record. Yeah, yeah. that's I, fucking 
depth, dude. I was going to say, like, this is them trying to distance distance themselves, right? Sort of juxtaposing themselves from the first uh, record. And on this record alone, I mean, you have one of the happiest rap songs ever, yeah. uh, Roller Skating Jams, and the saddest rap song ever, Millie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's, it's incredible. handled with such a deft, light touch. So much care. Yeah, and, like, uh, this might be Prince Paul's best work. Like, they, they yeah. the sample palette on this and the how hard it knocks. Yeah. And still to this day, how creative it is and, like, the bringing in of, like, children's records and just so so many interesting sources where it's just, like, it, it as deep as the first one was, this one is that much more expansive and it's just mind-blowing. It, yeah. it's, it has so much depth and so many ideas. So I was, um, again, in the last week kind of just soaking in it. And when I'm with my girlfriend, I'm always like, listen to this and see if this makes any sense to you right. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> De La Soul is Dead has the most moments of like, oh, fuck, that is interesting. Yeah. That's funny. That's sad. That's happy. Right, like, right, uh, right. The range displayed. And even in that, I find it to be a more accessible record yeah, uh, than Three Feet High and Rising. I was going to say, uh, I mean, it still has the, the depth, but it kind of feels like an exhale. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it, it very funny, um, the skits, which I guess that's Mr. Long calling people um, – Coxnot and Anna <laughs> Ward. Um, uh, I may, may or may not have had a few inside jokes with people about that over the years. It's a very funny thing to say. Yeah, right. Yeah. And just and and the sound effects they're in. So yeah, Prince Paul's hand is heavy, 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 heavy into this project. But there's several layers, right? So there's like the the schoolyard. The kids are listening to this tape, mm-hmm. and it has the the ding sound that a book on tape has that you keep advancing, right? Um, so it has that. It has this other set of interludes that are about a fake radio station called WRMS. Right. Right. Um, within those, there's something about Dela starting a donut shop mm-hmm. that kind of ah. comes up. And then there's the ah. actual song that feels most like a skit, but in the best way humanly possible of Biddy's in the BK, BK Lounge, totally. which oh is like God. a movie. Totally. And one of yeah. my favorite things to ever exist at any time. Like yes. I, I just totally. love it so much. The song is so great. The beat switches. Yeah. The homegirl. Who is that? Uh, she's cr- <laughs> she's credited in here, but only by first name. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It's it is. It's a movie to say like it, it was cinematic, totally um, to the point where you can chuckle at it, even as somebody who doesn't listen to rap. Um, you know, you can listen to it and get something from it. You can see the scene being uh set there. Right. Um, and it's hella long, and like it just is never stops being entertaining. I feel like it's one of those albums where they've got like five songs like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where they, these are just really big. Um, it's a lot of fucking ideas. There's so just so much going ideas. on. If this was an animation, it'd be like a 30-part epic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. There's just so much going on. Yeah. Um, I'll propose something to you guys, see how it lands for you. I think uh, Ring Ring, Ha Ha, Hey Hey is the beginning of the stakes is high sensibility. Mm. Oh, interesting. Of okay. like, hey, I have a cool idea. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah. don't want your fucking shitty demos. We don't yeah, want to yeah, hear yeah. about the, right. the. We don't want to talk about rap with you. Like, yeah. just get, just get away from yeah, us. Let us be. Right let now. us be, dude. Yeah. It's oh, like that's so funny. I I love that song so much. I think it's totally. hilarious. Like that. That they lo- there's a lot of funny rap, and we have proposed on this show that every great 
rap album has an element of humor, of humor to right. it. But right. De La Soul might be the most consistently actually funny. Right. Like, right. I'm laughing. I'm not going like, that's funny. Right. I'm going like, right. I'm, I'm like cracking up at some of these voicemails. It's just so funny the way they put everything together and how it's done like winkingly it's not right. it's yeah, not mean spirited yeah. yet yeah yeah <laughs> it, it 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 gets a, it can trend a little bit on this album more in subsequent releases but i feel like um they're cheeky you know right, what i mean the same right, way that when you right. see video of the beatles and they're just like bouncing jokes off of each other uh the far side have a very cheeky sensibility that right, comes across right. and i think that is here but de la soul is dead is also it's angry. It's an angry right, record. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even I mean, even through the course of these first four albums, I think what is displayed is a lot of uh, self awareness, dude. Like yeah. Huge. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Not not too much. Uh, they're very wary of a, of a rapper type hubris, right. but also they also kind of put their foot down on this record of like we're some rapping ass rappers. Yes. Like yes. fuck your flower yeah, jokes totally. and all that shit. Yeah. 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 Like Here's we will some come. Bars. Yeah, yeah. We will come for your ass. Um. Yeah. I kind of feel like. The debate around this album and whether you consider it the best De La release um, lands on the skits. If you can, and I, and I, even within myself, I go back and forth about this so much. Like I won't listen to it for a while. I listen to it and I go, "This is the best De La record." Like, who am I fucking kidding? And and like maybe the best record. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's a like record. It's, yes. it's just up there. It's so high. But then I, I'm kind of with you. It doesn't rank as high for me, uh, and I like the skits. I think the skits are really good, but it's still a lot of skits. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lot. D- Dave, where do you? Where does this rank in your through the first four albums for you? This is probably my third favorite. Uh, me too, and okay. I, that feels so weird saying it because I just said and I totally meant it. This is one of the greatest records ever made. Totally. Yeah. Well, I, w- I was gonna say. I mean, ju- just when you prompted prompted us earlier today, I was gonna say this and Dayla's Dead. Kind of tied for third for me, if that counts, if I yeah, can do that. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we're going to get into Balloon in a minute, and I feel like Balloon has emerged as, like, the hipster choice for the best De La record, hey, and hey, it's hey. kind of, like, the least <laughs> understood. You leave Dave's beanie out of the <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, that is my favorite, but we'll get into yeah, it. No, we'll get into it for sure, but I, I, I'm just saying I never heard anyone say that at the time. Yeah, they didn't know. Yeah, I've seen no. that for years. So, right? yeah. <laughs> no. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Is our recollection that great of, of back then? Um, well, I think De La Soul is Dead is one of the best second records for sure. Oh my God, oh my God. in of terms course. of to flip the script so yep. completely yeah. on the yep. first yeah. record and to make it, it's like you you just made this amazing tectonic plate shifting mm-hmm. statement and then right. you're like. No, we're not that. No, actually, fuck that. We're totally. Yes. totally. Yo, what's good, everybody? Thanks for tapping into this week's episode, A Listener's Guide to De La Soul. You just heard Nate, Dave, and myself, Damone Carter, lovingly dissect the first two De La Soul albums, which should be up on streaming by the time you hear this. Up next, we have a very special guest, legendary A&R Dante Ross will be coming on to talk about his early days working with De La Soul and his relationship with the late grade True drops a lot of dope insights and previously untold anecdotes. You're about to hear him share his thoughts about Three Feet High and Rising and De La 
Russell is dead as well. After the Dante interview, Nate, Dave, and me will come back to break down De La's 34th albums, Balloon Mind State, and Stakes is High. Want to do a real quick plug for our Patreon. That's where you can get all the exclusive content, Nate's Fly Sporadic Radio Show, My Dems Gems Playlist, and exclusive segments you can't hear anywhere else. Become one of the Patreon homies. Subscribe. Patreon.com slash And now without further ado, let's get into it. This is our interview with Dante Ross. Dad Bod Rap Pod. So guys. Hey, Dead by Rap Pod. You know, we're talking to people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture every week. This week is no different. We have legendary ANR. Some might say the GOAT ANR. Uh Dante Ross joining us, man. How's it going? Good, man. How are you guys? Doing well. Uh, hanging in there. Is it is it cold and rainy as shit in, oh, in LA? Yeah, it sucks. It's like Seattle weather in LA, man. It's fucking wild. Oh, man. <laughs> it's cold. Where do you guys live? We're in uh, NorCal, so like okay. 50 miles outside of San Francisco. Okay, well, it's similar weather, kind of. You know the yeah. weather. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, why are we paying for this? Um, but anyway, we're we're here to talk about De La Soul, of course. Uh, Dante, we know you had a, a personal relationship with the group. You signed the group. We definitely want to talk about Monica Lynch signed the group. Okay. Okay. So it was the first. It was my first A and R project. It was handed to me, um, in tandem with me getting the job. So, so to be clear, she played me the demo when she interviewed me for the job, and I, I, I low key lost my mind. <laughs> it was so incredible. And um, I remember thinking, I was like, dude, it's like, reminds me of Ultra Magnetic meets Slick Rick. I couldn't think of it. Mm-hmm. And I, it, was, it was the demo, the single. And she called me a couple of weeks later and she told me I had the job right before Christmas. It was snowing, in fact. And I went to her office. I lived in the same neighborhood as the office um, in, in the uh, cultural desert called Upper East Side. And, and, um, <laughs> and she gave me the gig and told me the first group I'd work on was De La Soldis. That group you really like, Prince Paul's group, well, that's going to be your first, the, your first project. Oh man! Well, for the no. folks who who may not know what what an A&R does, what were your kind of duties and tasks with with De La Soul at that time? Um, set up studio time, um, you know, make sure that um, all the gear they needed, the rental stuff would be there. Make yeah. sure that uh, they had the engineer they wanted if he was available, which usually was a guy named Shane Faber. There was a bunch of guys mm-hmm. who worked on that record, um, and to make sure that they actually showed up and were working right. So mm. kind of a little bit like a babysitter, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I couldn't, I was one, a baby, and two, Jesus Christ, I was certainly more reckless than De La Soul were. <laughs> so, so those were kind of my duties to kind of guide them through the record and, and sort out what, what songs were like potential singles, et cetera, et cetera. But with De La Soul, like I'd be, I'd be, um, 
I'd be emphasizing my importance too much. Um, they had a guy named Prince Paul who was yeah. absolutely completely capable of doing any and everything that needed to be done. Plus, you know, the De Las themselves are pretty um, functional and organized cats other than Mace, who was more kind of crazy like I was. But, you know, um, he, he's also way more talented than I've ever been. So, you know, those guys, they kind of had it all, man. It wasn't like, you know, I've had, I've made records where I really had to do A&R on them. And this okay. one was more like I was just kind of learning the ropes. You know, I had to set up mastering for all this stuff. I had to like kind of figure out like some cover art stuff, like kind of figure out who might shoot what and, you know, meet delivery dates on things. But um, it was, you know, um, for me, I was one learning on the job. And two, it was, I, I would, like I said, I'd be remiss if I overstated my importance. I, I honestly... I've been talking to a few people about this stuff lately, and I, I say it was just a great honor to be in the room to watch those guys make yeah. their magic, you know. And I was, mm. I was like privy to see this thing that, like, I knew was great. Like I could, I, like I was like, am I just, am I souped up out of my mind because I'm in the middle of this that this is that great or is this that great? And I really mm. thought it was that great. Um, and and I've uh, I've been blessed enough to have that feeling a couple other times in my life. But you usually mm -hmm. don't know. This is one of those things where I knew. And it, it taught me so much because it let me know when I had that feeling again, I was, you know, it, it, mm. it didn't come along a lot. So when you when right. you get that again, it's like it's like when you first smoke weed, you're like, oh man. <laughs> so you kind of, you know, you every every four or five years you might get yep. that again, you know. So I mean it was it was um you know, I look back on it with Dave's passing. And you know. it becomes more important. It becomes more important in my life. So Can you talk a little bit about just who Dave was as a as a person and at, at the time of your meeting him? Yeah, Dave was um really funny. They're all really funny dudes, but Dave is kind of like a, a a silent assassin. Like he's very poised and 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 um I don't want to say standoffish, but he he he's one of those people who doesn't feel the need to hear his own voice, unlike mm. me. So me and Paz want to talk a lot of shit. So he didn't really talk much shit. And and when he, I mean, he did talk shit, but he did it in his own uh, very selective style. And and he he had a very cutting wit. He's really funny, you know, mm. and, and super smart, sharp, self-aware cat. Um, he he was um relatively egoless you know until he's in the in the booth and then his ego is on full display because he's a tremendous rapper right so yeah. just like an 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 uber upper class like one of the greatest mcs i've ever had the pleasure to see work his craft and and when i think of de la and dave de la's like the only other group i can say that was like de la is the beastie boys in the sense that the sum is Inter, the, the the three are interchangeable and the sum is always you know the the greater uh mm -hmm. the parts it's always the you know mm -hmm. the sum outcome is is um indistinguishable you can't pull one person out of it right so there is no best mc or anything like that to me they're the sum of its parts so they're very interchangeable and, and almost um yin yang if there was three parts of the yin yang with each other mm -hmm. and Paul, so four parts, because Paul functioned also as um, almost a member of the group, 
Like it's it's kind of bugged out the way he did it. Um, and you know, Dave was super funny. Um, like I said, a tremendous MC. And he he uh, was the barber. He's the guy who gave us all the crazy haircuts. Oh, oh and he's wow. the guy who says, "And you're not getting a haircut either." Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he when we shot the cover of Puddles in My Lawn, this guy named Ari Macopoulos, he shot it. He's an old friend of mine. I knew him from like I knew him forever. Um, and Ari um, coincidentally shot all the early Supreme stuff. He became a skate photographer, kind of. Um, and he just like shot a lot of cool New York shit. He was a, he's a really hip guy who was like his shits in like fucking, you know, the Whitney, like permanent collection. Mm -hmm. He's like a serious photographer. So Ari, before he was a serious photographer, <laughs> shot that cover for us. So we went out to Long Island. We went to Dave's house and Dave was giving everyone shape ups for the album. And I wanted a shape up. So he gave me a shape up. <laughs> And I bothered him for a shape up every single time we went anywhere. And anytime we traveled, he brought us clippers. So I got a haircut from Dave and, and I constantly was like, Yobi, I need an edge up. Hook my shit up. So, you know, that was part of it. I mean, you know, if you hung out with Dela, then you, you, if you were in the inner circle, you probably got a Dela haircut. Wow. Wow. You know, um, really appreciate you sharing um, those memories of a uh, true boy. I mean, I, we know it's an emotional topic. So I uh, really appreciate you taking that time. Um, I want to just move forward a little bit since Dayla is returning to streaming. Yeah. And I just wanted to know, like, are you excited about having people get the opportunity to engage with them again? I and am. Just, you know, yeah. I think there's a, there's a whole generation of people who, who only listen to music via streaming services, right? Mm -hmm. People have probably never heard Dayla Soul. They may know the name. They may know the flower. They may know the Nike dunks, but they may not know the music, right? So all mm. these kids are going to get to experience this music for the first time. And that's wild to me, right? And I I, I really like, it's almost like an unboxing video or something. I want to see <laughs> first time they hear De La Soul, you know? Right. And, and um, look, kids today are very different than they were when we were kids. I think we probably mm. had more... It's, it's funny because sometimes I think culture regressed. I think um, there's people are a little more basic in their taste, wants, cookie cutter, likes of things. Um, but but I think there's also a, a whole generation of kids who are really, really in tune and smart and um, like great music. And I want to see how these kids, I want to see kids with taste who've never heard De La Soul before hear De La Soul. And even mm -hmm. if they heard it to hear the songs they never heard before. Like, I want to yep. see someone's face who's like an aspiring MC who hears I Am I Be for the first time. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, yes, exactly. You know, like, Thank you. You know, like, I'm sure Pink Sifu and all those kind of guys who I really like, the mobbies yep. of the world know this stuff. But I want to mm -hmm. see what those guys discovered De La Soul. You know, like, um, you know, like. There's a, like Marlon Craft was like, I never really listened to De La Soul, you know? Yeah. Born in 93. Mm. He was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, right. like that, who, who never right. really listened to the stuff where their, their rap starts at like, you know, whatever, I don't know, fucking maybe J Cole or something. Right. So, right. so, you know, I want to see these guys, you know, it's kind of like a whole generation of kids who are denied outcast, right. They didn't get De La right. Soul. Right. So let's see what happens when, when these kids discover the greats. Because, you know, Dela is, um, I don't want to say an acquired taste, but they're a litmus test to me. Um, mm. 
it's a it's an indication that you have evolved tastes, and everyone who has evolved tastes, um, who who I choose to surround myself with, knows the genius of De La Soul. But when people don't get De La Soul, I get judgy because I'm like, you're that smart. <laughs> uh you're you're probably justified in that the kind of going on that tip when three feet high and rising you heard the demos hmm. it, it gets out into the world was there kind of some head scratching some some sure. backlash from hip-hop you know man. one million percent you know there were people who didn't get it like i'll tell you this story i went out with this girl and she was she ended up being an mtv vj um i doubt it so she became like she was my girlfriend and I had the tape and it was finished and we had, we hadn't mastered it yet, but we were playing around with the sequencing. So I had like what became the final sequence on a cassette and, and they were all the final mixes. And I went to, and De La Soul was buzzing. And I went to her house and her two model lead girlfriends were there. And it's one English guy. And, and actually one of the girls there ended up having a baby with D'Angelo's. This is really weird. I never realized this before. <laughs> and I played them. I was like, yo, I want to play the De La Soul album. And they lost interest like three songs in. Wow. But the mm -hmm. English guy who was there, my friend Ben, he lost his fucking mind. Because he was also keyed into all the samples. Like He was like, oh, they used right. Ross, Samande. And he knew the mm -hmm. music. You know, he was like ahead. And and um, he had really good taste. And I knew that this guy with really good taste really liked this record. And he's like, can I get a copy of it? And I was like, I can't give you a dub, man. He's like, and he was like, man, I love this record. And I, he always, he doesn't always remind me. He just remembers this. And, and um, that was just one example, but yeah, a lot of people didn't get it. There were people who thought they were soft. You know what I mean? They mm. were, they were, um, you know, people were homophobic back then. Oh, those guys were yeah. gay, whatever the fuck it was, you know, they're mm. suckers. Like, and I think that, that, as we get down the road and they become labeled the hippies of hip hop, I feel like they thought that their blackness as men was were questioned. I think that there are some mm. people who question their blackness and, you know, they lost all young black men. And there's like, you know, you can't question that shit. You know, who are you to question my experience, black or white or otherwise, right? Especially white, like white men should never question that. But, but, you know, I think there were people who questioned um, their, their street cred, if you will, and mm. you know, thought it was goofy. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then what's funny is that the gamut of people who didn't feel that way goes all the way up to like people like Cypress Hill and NWA. They toured with right. NWA. They, we mm -hmm. played shows at world on wheels. We did all that LA shit. We did all the fucking, we did. I'll tell you one dude who, who gave us, and he'll probably deny this if he ever sees us, but we did a show with Sir mix a lot in Houston, Texas. And he tried to shit on us. Mm. Yo. Oh wow. And then and oh this goes back to Dave. Dave called him. He was like, oh sir, like I was like, yo, yo, we're like, what's up with that dude? He's like, sir, bitch a lot. He tried to play us like in Houston at the Rhinestone Wrangler. I'll never forget <laughs> wow. that. We met, oh well, my never, god. I never was a fan of Sir Mix a lot wow. anyway, but that like I was always like, he's super corny. I was like, he's and and he also like He's, he rapped like the Beastie Boys back then. This is before Baby Got Back. This was Square Dance Rap and uh, right. Posse on Broadway, I think was the other record. Yeah, but right. he was popping yeah. in Houston and he headlined. He was, 
And we, and you know, like, look, we gave him the business. That I'll just leave it. <laughs> wow. Um, Dante, I just want to quickly touch on uh, Three Feet High one more time. Um, sure. um, Don Newkirk, uh, rest in peace. Um, oh, he, yeah, he, he's, he's featured on our theme song for this uh, podcast, and he closes out the album, as you know. Um, I just want to get your insight on your relationship with him and just the working process with Don. I mean, Don came in and did the skits in Long Island. He didn't do them at Calliope. I wasn't at, mm. I wasn't mm. at, I think there was, a, the place was called Sound uh, Music Palace. Yeah, Music Palace. That's where the court in Long Island. And I only went there one time. Um, and they were, they did, they did a couple of things there. They did the bulk of the recording was at Calliope, mixing at Music Palace and Calliope. Um, Newkirk did his skits, I believe, at Music Palace. No, he might have done them at Calliope when I think about it, because Mike T. Luxon, was an engineer at at Music Palace and at um and he was in Doodoo Men. He was um mm. <laughs> he was also an engineer at Calliope. I think Paul might have brought him there. My memory's a little hazy, but Newkirk, Mike Tuluxin, and Paul were all peoples. And mm. and they're a little older than Dela, but Newkirk, he's from Queens, but he was with those dudes and he moved to Long Island at some point. He went to school with Paul in Long Island. And he was a rapper beforehand. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Uh, so he he was part of the team, part of the family. And little known fact is I tried to sign Don Newkirk because I loved his demo and Tommy Boy wouldn't let me sign him. They, they shot me down. Um, but I wanted to sign Newkirk. I was maybe his first industry fan. So, I mean, Newkirk was, look, Newkirk is Prince Paul's go-to guy. He's his right hand. Yeah. You know, Paul's got a yeah. group of people, um, including... Uh, you know, Mr. Dead and, 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 you know, a couple other guys who are always mm. in his group of cohorts, right? His people. Um, and that's one of the guys. I knew Kirk is his right-hand man. So, you know, I think Paul probably, I think Paul pulled Newkirk in and, you know, third base jumped on it afterwards with the fucking right. the announcement right. voice. And, you know, like Newkirk had that voice. Yeah, that he could do that thing. <laughs> man. You know, what, what you don't know maybe is that Here's how I first met Donald Newkirk. He was, I just got the job at Tommy Boy. He is playing the keyboards on, uh, he's replaying Expansion, Lonnie Liston Smith on all that jazz. And Newkirk wow. also played trumpet. And he plays all the music on that. And this is how wow. I meet Donald Newkirk. And I'm like, um, and that record to me was a special record because I loved what we called club music back then. And Expansions is one of those records that Larry LeVan and and all the, you know, like Dave Mancuso and T. Scott, because I'm a disco head. So this is right. one of those records that you heard in those clubs. And it was like, it was to me very forward thinking that they were using this, but it's also a super fast record. Mm -hmm. Newkirk plays it slowed down. This is amazing effect. Yeah, this is how I meet Newkirk and and, um, you know, it's just bugged out. Newkirk was, he was ill. And Paul's the illest because he made that beat, you know. So, um, yeah, Don Newkirk, he was great, man. And I, I had spoke to Paul. And he, you know. He's been through a lot the last few. So. Yeah. Well, appreciate that, man. So looking at the reaction to three feet high and rising. And I, I appreciate your comments about kind of how daylight was essentially stigmatized. And I even remember that. It, it, I wouldn't go as far as say stigmatized because out West, out West, they were stigmatized. 
Yeah, like, you know, yeah, miss me with that hippie shit. Yeah, yeah, you know that kind of came post. You know what I mean? Because it was okay. all overexposed and pushed down people's throats. But look, okay. man, we were in LA and um, doing shows. I think I took them out there twice. The first time they ever came to LA, and we played on World on Wheels, and Ice T was in the house, and he was fucking yeah. with us. You know, Ice right. T was the big homie. Like he was like, "Oh, y'all are y'all are super ill." So we had right. to co-sign from Ice and and Mugs and Be Real was in. They weren't a band yet. It was called DVX. And and Muggs was in 783. And we Great, played with yeah. them at World on Wheels. But we met B-Real, Sendog, Young MC, and everyone greeted us with open arms. Everyone across the board. And Guru was, and Premier were down, they were cool with us from day one. Like we never, your Bismarck E was a big fan from day one. Where we, mm. we went to a show at the New Music Seminar. He started doing plug tuning beatboxing from the stage he was hosting the new music <laughs> seminar he was on stage so that's how they kind of met biz even though paul already knew biz and dmc came to our first show was like i love y'all like he was there at this club called payday like he was our first the first super fan i ever saw the third base dudes so. were bugging out on de la soul so so you know i would say in new york it wasn't a stigma like that you know we um we had red alert was our he was the go-to. He was the goat, and Red greeted us with open arms. The Jungle Brothers are already popping, um, so right. we just fell right in with some things that were already happening. You know, to me, that all starts with with Ultramagnetic, right? They're the first left of center dudes, and then mm. Jungle Brothers, and then us. Now I'm us. I'm not in De La Soul, and then De La Soul, right? So, so that's kind of boom, boom, boom. How how it always broke down to me, and maybe Slick Rick's in there somewhere because Slick Rick is bugged the fuck out too, um, and he's oh doing- for real. He's doing egos, right? So, you know, but look, man, like I remember Marley Morrill came to my office and loved De La Soul. He was checking the record out and he was enamored. So, you know, the the cream of the crop in New York City was fucking with De La Soul. I don't know how it translated around the country. It wasn't super stigmatized. I think it got worse when they blew up. I think when me, myself, and I was on MTV and the Daisy Age is getting pushed on your throat is when more of the backlash started. Yeah, and, and then it kind of... We always thought that everyone who's not from New York is is fucking ancient. And you know, dudes yeah. from New York were kind of ancient to us. They were behind the times. Uh, which was probably true at that time, uh, honestly. But it seemed like on De La Soul, not seemed like, on De La Soul is Dead, there's this real effort to oh, kind yeah. of end the Daisy Age oh, and yeah. also kind of reclaim you, it's interesting you use the word manhood and masculinity. I kind of heard De La Soul is Dead as like, Oh, they'll fuck you up though. Like that that was kind of the undertone. It's true though. We would travel and people would be funny and they get a knuckle sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's just how it is. Like, and I would hear, yo, Daylight was out here and they beat somebody up. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they did. You know, bases of you know, those guys, you know, they're not suckers. Like, come on, man. You know? So um so like uh, during this era, the sort of De La Soul is dead. Um, mm-hmm. What was your relationship with the group like at that time? So I had and moved to Electra Records. I had left. I'd left the Nest. I went mm-hmm. to work at Electra. Um, one day, Pa's gonna explain something too, because I feel like on Stakes Is High, he said Electrify. I think he was throwing me a subliminal. I never knew why. Oh, I always want to ask him that. I was like, you throw me a subliminal. It could be in my head, but I don't think so. Um, so, so um, I was working at Electra. I wasn't super involved. There was 
the record didn't come right away. I think it's two years between the records, almost two years. And um, I would have paid money to see Tom Silverman's face when he got handed a record called De La Soul is Dead. Because you know, <laughs> you know, you know, they're like, we, we're shooting holes in everything. And they did, right? I mean, it was like kind of marketing suicide, but it was also like they got to equalize um, the playing field. They got to be who they wanted to be again. So mm. they didn't fall into that thing. And look, Dela was never going to chase another hit song. And me, myself, and I was not chasing a hit song, but you know, it was clearly the single when we got the album. We all, everyone knew it. Right. They knew mm. it. We all knew it. It was just a thing. Um, so we knew that wasn't going to happen again. And Ring, Ring, Ring is basically, um, don't ask, it's a song that says, don't ask me for jack shit. Like, <laughs> stop being transactionary. I'm, I'm over you. Um, so, you know, man, they definitely were, they were going to kill, kill the past and live in the future. And that's what I think that record did. It's also a genius record. It's fucking tremendous. And once again, um, the affinity for a certain kind of music called post-disco. I don't use the term boogie. I call it club music. But that whatnot mm. sample is another one of those Larry LeBan records. That's a mm. club difference. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I, uh, this album definitely felt like a tone shift. I mean, uh, Mil Millie pulled a pistol was on here. I mean, it's incredible. And that, record's I, and that song is so fucking good. I mean, the fucking, you know, the parliament, one of the, best. Sample, the whole shit, it's so dark. And, you know, like that put in someone else's hands is a different kind of record, right? Absolutely. Right. It's right. A, and, you know, look, De La to me is the, they were the greatest at talking in coded metaphors. They're the greatest. Mm. Because I don't think Ultramagnetic had science behind what they were saying. Like, Daylight, everything is translatable to something. Like, there's a real science to all their coded word speak. And, and you know, I think that that song is one of the things that really showcases. And who's going to make a song called Millie Pulled a Pistol on Oof. Santa? That's about incest and basically right. going awry at, like, Christmas time. It's just the craziest, it's just a crazy story. It's so visual and, you know, it's just the, the lyrics and the song fit like a glove. And that's the genius of Paul and De La Soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Biddy's in the BK Lounge is another one of those Great different movie. type of movie, but it's a movie, right? <laughs> you know, Biddy's in the BK Lounge is almost a skit song, right? Like it's like yeah. how it starts. Um, what's so fucked up is I had that same Lou Donaldson loop hooked up Actually, my partner did, and he was. I was like, we can't use that daylight. Just use it, and then fast forward <laughs> a couple of years, and brand new beans use it. And used it, yeah. and, and I was like, and my partner was always like, yeah, what happened with that loop that brand new beans just used? Uh, uh, good, good, good times. What's your uh, what's your standout track on Daylight Soul Is Dead? If you had to pick one, I think it might be Millie. Mm. Yeah, I think it might be Millie. Um, I don't know what are you, what are your guys? What are your standouts? Millie is mine. That's why I brought it up and kind of wanted to get your reaction to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I that, think it's probably it's Millie. incredible. You know, I would be, I'd be lying if I could tell you what song is exactly on what album because mm. I'm fucking old and I can't remember shit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of albums by De La Soul in my iTunes, um, numbering and just weird mixtapes. I, I pulled up my. My De La thing, I have 19 albums by De La in here. Oh, my God. There is no 19 albums, but, and there's no doubles. Um, oh, yo, man, Afro Connections at High Five. Is high good. Five, yeah. Mm. That's my joint. That shit is crazy. Um, Swing a Locate, man, the whole shit, Biddies. P. 
peas porridge, like peas porridge, of course. <laughs> peas porridge, and and the record they used on peas porridge just blew my mind when I found that record. Someone put it out on a forty-five, um, and I was always like, Jesus Christ, like that record's so sick that they used that. Um, you know, I think those are probably the ones I really I really fuck with on that album. My brother's a bass head is really fucking good. I mean, there's no yeah. bad songs on it. Like, and De La is one of those groups, you know, they got a four or five album run where there's no duds to me. Um, so, yeah. you know, I'm like, I mean, you know, my favorite thing was always the Clear Lake Auditorium shit. That shit. Mm, hey, absolutely. And I had this one goofy friend who come to my house and play that shit every time he came over. <laughs> like, I want to hear this. Like every fucking time for years. And um, he hit me when, one day passed and he was like, I was like, yo, man, I always think of this record when you, you know, that record about you, like I link it to this one friend of mine. So, I mean, that's probably my, I mean, ring, ring, ring is fucking tremendous too. Yeah. Yeah. Ring, uh, trolling. It was like, it was before trolling was a thing. They, they showed you what trolling was. Yeah. Right. It was, the, it was the phone troll. You know, those people, you don't want them to have your fucking phone, phone number. And, and like, you know, just like I did back in the day, I did, what's called the screen. I was like, I ran the screenplay. I never picked up my home phone. I had my tape, my phone machine all the time. I never picked up my phone call. And the way dudes would get me to pick up the phone, it's like, yo, stop running the screenplay. <laughs> it was like, you think of that song, it's a screenplay. Did they did they ever leave messages on your voicemail? They probably did. Um, yeah, I would, I would assume so. Um, Cause you know, we all had phone machines. Yeah, you know, they used to, We'd go to fuck up shows and they'd drive me home to my shitty house and we'd go up. I had a I had a railroad apartment with a bathtub in the kitchen back then. Um, <laughs> we'd come to my house. Like, you know, it was like, I mean, like, even when we made the first record, I had this fucking boss, man. I had this record bag. It was a it was a burgundy grandma bag that I used as my record bag. <laughs> and possibly like, so I would come to the studio at the same like 36 records every day. And I'd be like, you guys should use this. You guys should use this. And they'd be like, shut the fuck up. It's <laughs> not, not like probably nicer than that, but like this guy again, like, and um, Haas one day called me up. So I know I had, he had definitely, they had left messages. And he was like, bring, bring your corny ass grandma bag of records. <laughs> and, and he pulled out my, my mom's record, Lee Dorsey record. Lee Dorsey's greatest hits that I stole from my mother when she moved to Rhode Island. I, sh I didn't see she gave me all her records. And it was my mom's record, Lee Dorsey's greatest hits, Holy Cow. And it had that on it. It had the fucking Get Out My Life woman drums. And he used right. that. And then he grabbed the Otis Redding record that I had for something else. And he made that. So my, my grandma bag of records that annoyed the shit out of them. All right, that was our conversation with Dante Ross. That was actually only part of our conversation with Dante Ross. If you want to hear the rest, you want to hear him talk about Balloon Mind State and Stakes is High, as well as drop some knowledge about his upcoming book that's about to drop May 24th, you got to be one of the Patreon homies. We're going to do an exclusive segment on Patreon get Dante's thoughts about the third and fourth De La albums as well as hear about his new book all you gotta do is subscribe 
patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod that's patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod coming up next as promised nate dave and i break down balloon mind state and stakes is high this is a listener's guide to day my soul dad bod rap All right, let's let's talk about balloon mind state. And when we were talking about De La Soul is dead, um, Nate, you kind of alluded to balloon being a, a consensus pick among hipsters, and then Dave took deep exception. <laughs> <laughs> People could have smelled the room at that moment. Um, I'm just saying, this is like this record came out when I was in high school. It's such a great record. Like it is again. Like it. It is a phenomenal record. But yeah. it just seemed to be like Dayla's next record at the time. And I'm not saying like people aren't ar- are allowed to change their opinions or anything. I'm just saying it wasn't like instantly hailed as this classic. And perhaps because of yeah. its nature, its subject matter, it's um, it's I, I don't know how quite to describe this. There's a it's it's there's an undercurrent of like deep melancholy in this record. Yeah. And there's yeah. it's not like the most um easy to kind of love but it's also so deep and so great and it has just like fantastic huge moments too right huge moments huge moments yeah huge moments. I, I think uh this is 1993 um and i feel like they were deeply discontented with the state of the game even then yeah um and so i just remember hearing the first track and being like where pasta's like fuck being hard pasta noose is complicated i was like come on oh okay so now we're going to war come on you know what i mean like they they put the flag down i think with with de la soul is dead and said hey we're not these flower kids yeah i think on balloon they're like we've been in the industry for a while a lot of this is bullshit yeah and now now we're going to war it was an alternative contrary voice dave how did it strike you upon upon first? Well, first so listen? sort of to Nate's point, um, not all of Nate's points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, another cool Daylight record. You know what I yeah. mean? And it wasn't upon like a couple years later that I was like, this is my favorite Daylight record. And I've been saying that steadfast forever. Um, I'm looking at the artwork right here from Nate's um, stacks and like the whole thing with their mouths t- tongue tied. Yeah. Incredible. But yeah. having said that, um, I am I be is not oh only one God. of my favorite rap songs of all time, one of my favorite songs Song of all songs. time in any genre. Yeah, it's my favorite De La song, and so um, when I think of De La, I think of that song, and it's fucking unpeachable. A- and kind of like uh, the the timelessness of it, uh, everything, every yeah. second of that song I like. But by the time the the guitar comes in, my mind's blown. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Pasta News is talking music. about his his daughter. It's uh, incredible. Um, I love every second of that song, and when I think of Daylight, that's the flagship song for that me. That you come back to, yeah, God, yeah, that's good. I mean, there's a there's a <laughs> reprise too. Like Oof. they carry it through. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they knew that that song was so fucking huge. Totally, right? totally. And, and I think when you talk about um, Balloon, you have to talk about a little bit about Clear Lake Auditorium. Absolutely, right. And, I was gonna piece. say promo um, only for many years. Really yes. coveted record among the heads. Came in this beautiful. 
uh, clear yes. kind of like Sprite bottle. Yep. Um, also record. features uh, Chiffey MCs. Come on, dog. I know. Yeah. You know? I know. Yeah. I know. That's a, that's a throwaway for them. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. This, oh, song, well, this yeah. song's not good enough for our album. <laughs> we'll like, just have Q-Tip and Fife on it. No biggie. Yeah, totally. In the Woods is so uh, great. Uh, and like uh, the, the, the that's what leads off um, Clear Lake is In the Woods right into I Am, I Be. And that's really the kind of emotional crux mm-hmm. of yeah. the whole album on Balloon. And it just gets its own kind of space to to be itself and it's um people talk about like LL Cool J doing like I need love as this yeah. like big moment and I'm sure it was yeah. but there this should be as celebrated for bringing kind of like pathos and writerliness and oh um just like darkness and depth and complicated human emotion to yep. um we we were talking to Open Mike Eagle a couple of weeks ago about like humanism and yeah. humanism and yeah. hip hop and like why uh, those ideas resonate with this interesting slice of society that you wouldn't necessarily think we're like kind of like act outwardly showing as hip hop heads and mm-hmm. like this is that. Yeah. Oh, this is a humanist record. That's that's a great that's such a great way to putting it. And to me, it, it's kind of what you don't get again until Outcast comes along. Mm, that's mm, interesting. Like these really spacious, um, life pr- affirming. Um, sounds on a hip hop record. Totally, and, and totally. You know, Balloons Might Stake is a hip hop record. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, if we're talking about sort of the comparison to the previous record, um, this album I think has the most brevity. It's just perfectly paced, short. Yeah. They're in and out. Says what you need to say. Yep. So and so is five eleven. I am. I be. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. fucking perfect, dude. I, I'll never get over Q-Tip being like, "I'm Q-Tip and I be friction." <laughs> like, like with that <laughs> prompt, right? Like with that prompt. Incredible. How, yeah, how, uh, Q-Tip yeah, is incredible. always incredible. Incredible. But yeah, even this idea of like, right now we live in a time where projects are uh, made in digital audio workstations. You can do this pastiche mixing and mashing and collaging of things. Mm-hmm. They were doing this in the analog era. Unbelievable. In a way that was um, so uh, complex and intricate. And there's so many things. The reason why I think this record um, always rates very highly for me is that I'll go back to it and still find things. Right, right. Like Fuck I being hard. This record's complicated. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> very. And, and I'll just say from like a production standpoint, kind of echoing what you were saying, Damone, the skits are short. Yeah. yeah, this yeah. this skit is forty three seconds. That's a great skit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it twenty three. Get out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get in. Get out. Get skitting. Twenty three and me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's um. It, it is an incredible record. I'm glad that it's um found an audience. And I'm I'm gonna guess that when people are now able to access this information again, it's really gonna have its moment on like a wider scale than like hip hop Twitter. Like, yeah. I think because people are yeah. about to get their mind blown. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Balloon even. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it might blow up, but it won't. won't go pop. Um, shout out to Shorty Nomas. Oh man! Oh, totally. Who's, we talked about there's, and I have to find out this person's name, but the the woman who raps on biddies in the BK Lounge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even even the women who are on the skits um, on De La Soul is dead. Amazing. Yes. Amazing female voices. Shorty Nomas on In the Woods. Um, is just like a force of nature. Like yeah. it's her infectious bounciness, how the lyrics are are kind of play off of each other. Um, for me, that that is my okay. Thought. I should have done this at the time. The biddies are Almond Joy, Jeanette, Monique, Naima, and Tanya. Okay, 
Shout out to Naima. Hey. <laughs> all they do is beg and they scrounge. Yeah. Uh, and what's funny about that is they're all like pushing 50 now and like our straight aunties. I love that. Yeah, I love totally. that we're there. Totally. Totally. Uh, in hip hop. But yeah, I think Balloon for me, I had to have a moment with myself and say, this is my favorite day. Life. Whoa. Yeah. I had to say it. I don't know if I've ever admitted you that. You hipster. Myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bunch of hipsters in this joint. The, the beanie just appears on my head. <laughs> <laughs> You turn back. Barely holding on <laughs> at the very top of the crown. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent the most time with it. So there's always that, right? So I could be biased because this was a time. You're 18 when this drops, right? This yeah. is like a pivotal yep. record yep. for you. And also being like, I am posthumous. Right. I thought I was. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, right. 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 I wanted to be them so badly. And like this spoke to everything that I wanted to hear in rap. And also... Like you said, blew my mind. It has a musical depth that records right. didn't have back then. And so I was obsessed with this and Clear Lake, which was like a rumor, right, for a long time. I don't think I heard it until a couple years Isn't after. Isn't IMIB also on Clear Lake? It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Um, the the interlude with the, the Japanese cats rapping. Like, and I know that word for word, and even though I don't Jesus. know the words. Right? Um, I'm trying to go to Japan this year. I'm going to memorize that. <laughs> <laughs> just going to go up in the ramen spot and be like. Yes, yes, y'all. <laughs> you don't stop. <laughs> um, they're like, not another one, please. <laughs> we get it. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it is. It is for is that true for you as well? Uh, it's my second favorite. Okay. Yeah, I'm a okay. I'm a stakes is high guy. I, I've been yeah. crotchety old man since I was young too. Yeah. So it's just like we'll talk about <laughs> it in a minute. But I, I do think this record is extremely brilliant. It's um a little more nuanced and it it, it has light stuff too, like Break of Dawn. Yeah. Dude. Like th- with that yeah. come on. Very prominent sample. It's like yeah. get out of here, dude. Yeah. Anyone could like this song. This song How could you a, not? This That's song what I'm is saying. Incredible. Yeah. Um and Focus is such a great oh. song. There's just so many good songs and all of the associated stuff, not just Clear Lake, um, the Ego Trip in part two, twelve inch with oh my God. Uh, How Lovely I Met My I Let My Mind Float. Like they're just collecting De La Records is like an embarrassment of riches. They understand the specialness of the format, especially for vinyl, and they give you so much. It's yeah. just like it's very yep. ample. It's right. very right. generous. It's like they they, they they reward you for close listening, yeah. both yep. in their rhyming style yep. and in the way that they presented themselves as like catalog artists. Yep. And I'm really wondering if they're going to make these 12 inches available. Like some of them have instrumentals you can't get right. anywhere else. Right. And that stuff doesn't tend to go on streaming. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they'll just do the straight records and leave this kind of just for the heads. Mm. Yeah. Which the as, resale market. As one of the heads, I wouldn't mind. But yeah. it's also like I want everyone to hear everything. It, right. It's I mean? hard. I can say as a, as a dedicated fan, I know there's a good chunk of songs I've just never heard. Um, I remember, shout out to my man Noah Diakili. Um, sent me a whole De La record that is like a weird movie that they were trying to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, it was a later one, right? Yeah, it was a later one. And anonymous I, something? Was that it? No, the Anonymous Nobody came out. but they, they Oh, have no, a, I know what you're talking about. I, I did a post on it. an unreleased record that is a lot, I think it's after Grind Day, yeah. that's a whole ass record that is like a, a movie. Um, and it, it's not the best record ever, but I'm just like, De La made a whole ass record, decided about. not to do it. Wow, and you know what I mean, and yeah. just kind of I want to see that now. Yeah, it's or hear uh, it or however you interact with it. That's interesting. Yeah, so they're they're one of the the most productive um, groups, and and let's say this here: one of the, their loyalty to each other is like amazing. When we were chatting backstage with Open Mike Eagle, and we're kind of lamenting the end of the 
of the De La Live shows, we knew it. How many groups could tour all the way through? That's a lot of like Dude. stinky feet in vans and like <laughs> hotel room sharing right? and right? I have kids but you don't have kids, kids yet right. and yeah. just like dude like people grow up people change I'm right. sure it's not been easy all the time but as a touring entity which they consistently were for 30 plus years going yeah. on 40 now it's like that that was the core of the group and um it, it they really are incredible in that arena. They have so much to draw from. Yep. They are yep. so committed as performers. So I hear um, when I admitted I had never seen them live. Uh, are you that, positive? I'm pretty sure. Because I, I had a side conversation with Wheezy about this because I went to a day law show with Wheezy and we both swore you were there. Hmm. How high was Nate? Yeah, I know, no. Uh, three feet high and rising. Maybe 2009, 2010. I think I would remember, but... Yeah, I mean, isn't you it guys lovely were there, how you was I doing? Just sitting by myself, <laughs> watching the show. I don't. Yeah, that's um, funny. I'm gonna pull up some old emails, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to the bottom of this <laughs> if, if Nate has seen Dela. I saw them once. Them and Black Sheep at the Independent, and this was like in the Grind Day era. Like yeah. I didn't see them. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. I I didn't see them in in their kind of heyday, but um. The thing that struck me about the De La Live set, and I've watched performances from them too, is l- much like Jasmine, they don't quite deliver the lyrics the same right. any mm. time. Right. They mm. figure out a new fucking interesting right. way to rap the lyrics. And I, pardon the, with other artists, I, I don't like that because I want to rap along with Right, you. right, right. But I'm like, you guys found a new way to make it interesting for yourselves. I was just going to say. And right. it still sounds cool. It's like, like when Bob Dylan plays something in a waltz. He's right, trying to keep right. himself interested. You yep. know what I mean? And you're seeing their interest and their fun on stage. You know, they do this thing where they, they do like a merry-go-round. Yes, yes. Incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. no one is having as much fun as they are. Oh, totally. Yep. And, and just on the, like, changing the lyrics thing, just from online footage that I've seen and possibly a one night in 2009. <laughs> <that I've had>. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> um, they also change it to, like, suit their current deal. Like they change, like you oh. know, it's like eighteen-year-old Paz wrote this, but thirty-eight-year-old Paz say is this. delivering yes, yes, it. Yes, so yes, they, yes, they yes. change it to yep. up. They update Date it the a lyrics. little bit in yep. a way that is just utterly fascinating. And like you and I have been talking a lot about this. Like it's like it's not like an actor learning your lines. Like right. when they're your songs, they're in you and they came from you. So it's a yep. little bit different. But if you are going out to do shows, sometimes you might need to refresh yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering where in the process this happens. If it is, is it live? Is it freestyled? Is it off the cuff? Does it change every night? I, I think right. they make new versions for different tours and stations of life like that to me. Right. If anyone from De La Soul ever wanted to talk to us, yes, um, that to. would be really, really dope. But um, I think they just get tired. You get tired of saying a thing, right? And like not having not painting yourself in the corner of shit you said when you were 18. Right. right. I think it's right. I think it's brilliant. I've seen other artists kind of play with this. Me too. Souls of Mischief has changed the if you really dope why ain't you signed yet? Cuz they realized <laughs> that was kind of a dick thing to say, right? right. Like oh uh, uh that I'm not too mad at, but we we saw Brother Ali live once. I've also seen Edon and um their live shows they changed the f-word. Okay. And okay. Or like so, sort of self-centered live. Yeah, self-censored live, and yeah, it's like I'm here for that growth, bro. Yeah, yes. yeah, the gr- yes. grown-ass men um, who manage to never kind of like lose their chops in the in the fiftieth anniversary uh, performance. You could clearly on the Grammys, you could clearly see who's been eating their Wheaties and who's been <laughs> rapping, <laughs> and who who got kind of pulled out the coffin 
to come and try to spit on stage. And De La always had their wind. Um, they were always sharp. They always knew their own material yeah. uh, super well. And so that's a that's a huge loss in the sense that we'll never get quite that show again. And who knows? You know, there's ways to tour. And, like, groups have done this before after members pass. But, um, you know, it, it'll definitely never be the same. This is a huge aside. But just thinking about that, like, Wheaties in cow's milk is, like, it's just straight gluten in dairy. <laughs> like that like <laughs> the conceptions of what we think of as healthy, healthy. has changed so much from that. Oh, I hadn't really thought about that. That was a before. sharp turn. <laughs> <laughs> Here on Men's Health Podcast, we examine is lactose and gluten killing you? Dad bod snack pod. <laughs> off off referred to never actually done. Oh man. Maybe we need it, man. There's there's oh, uh man. there's food takes out there. Um Balloon Might State, amazing record. Our favorite Daylight record, which I didn't, I didn't know that about us. Because you're all a bunch of hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> a, a little bit, a little bit, but we'll get into uh, their next amazing release. Stakes is high. So I think there's a joke. I don't know if it's it's real. Where Miles Davis goes to the um, goes to the White House and has an interaction with Nancy Reagan, and she's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, I've changed music four times. You. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, kind of. And he says no, something no, even more better. misogynist than even that. Even better. But yeah, yeah. He has, go look that up for yourself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just kind of like, you know, if you're Daylaw, by the time uh, Balloon Mind State has, has come, it, you've literally changed your genre like three times. Totally. You totally. know what I mean? Like, you've literally been a sea change in a genre. You've incited debate. Uh, I wanted. I want to make some time here to talk about all the dope people that De La Soul dissed. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to how, how number one, the first video, they're definitely jabbing at LL Cool J and and Run DMC and their whole aesthetic. Second record, MC Shan gets thrown under the bus for reasons that <laughs> still not clear. And I don't know if anybody. <laughs> This record is whack. Sounds just like MC Shan. It's like what? Like he did why? nothing. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> what did Shan do to deserve it? Um, I forget. Somebody catches catches a little bit on Balloon Mind State. I think even Ego Trip. Oh, Cool Keith. They they take a shot at Cool Keith. It was that, is, was that legit? Yeah. It, Change my change my pitch up, smack my bitch up. Never did it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, fuck. yeah. It's also a song called Ego Trip. Right, like right, 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 right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Right. Yep. right. Okay. Um, and then Crazy. on stakes is high. Just everybody's getting it. Uh, yeah. Naughty by Nature's getting it. I feel like <laughs> they jab it at Wu Tang and in Raekwon specifically. Um, Probably and the whole like way the genre was going, which right. famously they're sure. like not feeling. I mean, it's really it's their commentary on the genre and, and yeah. its progress. It's brilliant, dude. Yeah, and, and really brilliant. the first of its kind. You know, again from from hip hop's moral compass, right? It was the first of its kind record in that it critiqued the game in a way that was so fun and so interesting and inspired so many bad records. <laughs> uh, trying to uh, trying to invoke a similar tone, it's like. De La Soul could wag their finger at you in a way that few groups actually could because they were it, it didn't get tired or pedantic because they were so fucking good at what they right. were doing. But yeah, just out the gate on this record, Naughty by Nature um, catches a stray, which I pos I guess <laughs> had to pay for in person. 
he was confronted by Tresh about that. Wow. Um, oh, machete in hand? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which we'll get to in our upcoming episode. With, uh, with Sounds a little treacherous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dissing Naughty? Yes, absolutely. Um, but this record was like... He's like, yes, because I hate you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> dissing a guy who wears uh, a chain link uh, thing around his neck is yeah. just that's why. No, no, not a chain link, just a chain. Just a chain. chain. Yeah. 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 yeah, just a chain. Everybody else is wearing links. He's wearing yeah. a just chain. Just in a chain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the alternate title for Pumps and a Bump. <laughs> Grimaces is all they wore. Uh, uh, Nate, you said this is your your. Fave this is De my La favorite record. De La Soul record. I, mean, explain. I, love th- I love this record. It is again. These always start with an intro because these guys cannot help themselves with the skits. But <coughs> starting with Super MCs, yes, just coming out of the gates with that like just absolute banger, and then into the business, which is probably <laughs> Common's best um, guest verse. And he, you know, like he's got respiration. He's got a yeah, ton yeah, of yeah. great guest verses. Yes. Common is so good on this. It's so loose. It's so fun when he's like, oh, I see you like triple it. Yeah. And then they like yeah. leave that in. It's like yeah. you get to see behind the curtain of how they do this. And they like changed Common's life. Like he's been tweeting about it or what, saying stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, they took me on tour. They put me on songs. Like the whole yeah. Common mystique kind comes of from this. And also, not, we'll not totally from this, but, but it's, we'll it's get really into it too. Uh, they also introduce a couple other folks on this record. Yeah, that, that totally. Are um, and then, yeah, it's just <laughs> like. Who makes songs like Baby, Baby, Baby? It's right. just like, who yeah. who is doing that? They're all like satirical, tongue-in-cheek. Um, but technically sound. Because yeah, I feel totally. like Master Ace tried to do that on Slaughterhouse. Oh, and that's it, it interesting. It came across a little goofy. Mm, yeah. Mm. Baby, Baby, Baby is both satire, uh, a radio playable song, totally. lyrically right. makes sense. Perfectly like, delivered. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, it, this song has been one of the main focuses for a lot of fans. Uh, since the passing of Dove, but it's so easy. Yeah, oh, of it's course. Like yeah. I- incredible song, and yeah. um, interesting that Pause doesn't take a verse, and it, they're yeah. all credited writers on it. And um, it's just like if you want to know about Dove as a rapper, that's a great. In place a nutshell, to his ease, his ease with the language. He's talking about like really tough things, right? Right. And making these critiques right. and like. When's the last time you had happy day? Oh. Nobody else can pull that off. Totally, totally. Yeah. such a master of simplicity. Yeah. And then uh, most deaf coming through on Big, Big Brother, Brother B. On. That's just yeah. like Come perfect on. platform to him for him to get some shine. Um, and then there's just so many things. The actual song stakes is high. One of Dilla's most epic beats. Totally. Yeah. The skit or whatever like recording that leads into the it. The unhoused person is so gives incredible. you chills. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's yeah. just. There's I don't a, know, man. There's a slug line where he's like, "I've always been a fan of sun rays and subtle ways." And there's a song on here called Sunshine, which is my favorite. Yeah. And that literally feels like a ray of sunshine. Totally. Like, incredibly just touching. Because the sequencing of it, right? It's like, yes. Stakes yes. Is, is High is such a, a tense, build-up song, and it kind of, like, dissipates in a certain way. And then they just come back, you know what I mean? Right. With, like, this bright, um, really fun song. And, like, I believe Stakes is High is the second-to-last uh, song on side A. Am I saying that right? Mm. I know. I thought on the tape that's it's, how it it's went. It's the second to last song on the whole thing. On the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So on side B. On side B. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of uh, it builds to that climax, and then they have one more for you with sunshine. With sunshine. Which um, such a great better excel. listen is one of my favorite songs. Man, and listen. It's it, you know they, they like incorporated. <laughs> 
the skits into the songs when yeah. when the guy says it's just uh, neighbors talking. Yeah. Um, and, th- and then that song is just them talking. Yeah. Like I just for me, so good. like with, when that came, I was just like, this is so utterly brilliant. And I love the way that they talk about things. We've talked about this a lot on this show, but like that view Wisconsin kind of thing where they mm-hmm. never say the exact thing they're talking about. They're right, always right. talking around the metaphors it right. and in like, this beautiful yeah, right. poetic way where it's, yeah. just, it's just so fly and so well done and so perfectly calibrated. So like enough people get it that they get it, but you could listen <laughs> to the song and like be a lame and like not even know what right, they're talking right. about. And at it still all. works. Right. It's, yeah. it's accessible to all I mean, oh, and, right. and not indulgent. You know what I mean? No, it, 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 it somehow they could do songs about women, about relationships that just didn't come across as cringe. And they had several of them on every album. Like right, it was a, right. a recurring thing. But on Better Listen, I'll never forget um, when Poss is like, listen, dear rabbit or whatever the hell you be. I'm yeah. not the one to embarrass. I'm the one to emcee. Woo. And I was like, he's Woo. better than everyone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, that's just... You Come know, on. and then Dave coming through with, with that onion in the pants, I couldn't help but cry. <laughs> God damn it. It's kind of like your older brother, like, just coming through and right. saying, like, cool Dropping shit. Dropping little wisdom in your ear, dude. Yeah. And I, I think people talk about this like it's some kind of, like, um, album-length screed against uh, Puff Daddy or something. It's not. There, there is, yeah. There are moments where they're taking the genre to task and where yeah. they're putting forth their version of what I'll keep calling, like, alternative yeah. Hip hop, where it's like, yeah. let's do this instead. It's a of referendum that. on shiny suit, but not mm-hmm. not just that. Uh, but th- that's like a parts of a couple of songs. Yeah. It's not. It's yeah. not the whole thing. There's so much to this, and what it really is is just them growing, maturing, having families, like changing their lives, and they're still young men at this time. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, um, I don't know, man. I just, I've always loved this record, and I'm, I'm wondering now that we're talking about it because this is, you know, famously the first record they didn't work with Prince Paul on. Yeah, and right. I love Prince Paul, so I don't yeah. know what it says. He's crying like right now knowing that you've, you've tried <laughs> to But it's, um, I just feel like it's it's this further maturation and it's just it just has great song after great song and I just enjoy listening to it the most. I might not learn the most or like okay. have the, the, yeah. the deepest depths of all time, but like, I don't know, man. I've just always, I've always been very fond of this record, and uh, I think it's just a, a great album. I don't know if a rap, if any rapper or rap group at that stage in their career, could successfully calibrate themselves to the current moment. So totally. I think, totally, I think De La Soul uh, Balloon Mind State is ninety three, and Stakes as High is ninety six. So they had this like layoff, right? And they even joke about it on the record of like, yeah, you get a record every two yeah. to three years. Yeah, and so they come, they come back, but rap is totally different, right? Yeah, and and, so and I love the things on the other side of that Gulf. Like we talked yeah. a lot. Of, you said like it inspired a lot of bad takes, and it did. But yeah. I love underground hip hop and. Like underground hip hop drew so much from oh, this. so much. This Absolutely. is so the much. well that the whole thing came from. It's like Primo's beats and De La Soul's sensibility yeah. with like adding like lyrical miracle spiritualism yeah, into right. the mix. <laughs> that's it's like that, that's it. the that's the music I like. That's mm-hmm. the music yeah. I really mm-hmm. found. Like De La Soul was like you don't consider native tongues to be like mainstream in the same way you would, but like yeah. they, this is on Tommy Boy. You could buy it at the warehouse. Oh like, yeah, at, the, at this it time, existed in the same. Yeah, they I had started wanting to get shit you couldn't get, and it's right, all about right. exclusivity and like you right. know catalogs and like it's all. It, this is like normal compared to what was out there and was getting more experimental. So it, anyway, it's it's a it's a groundbreaking record. It's a a record that would define the rest of their career. I think. Um, on this one, I, I just remember being super impressed because it's kind of like, how are they going to rap? 
you had that joke about a friend of yours saying, is Camp Lowe going to rap normal now? <laughs> um, and that I kind of remember feeling like that. Yeah. I'm like, is is the shit they were doing on Balloon Mind State going to fly in 96? Mm. And when mm. I hear stakes is high, I hear them going, we've solved for that. Right. Like, just when you hear the business, yeah. and they're just kind of like, duh, duh. they're just coming, oh, like, this is what you guys like? They're kind of they're doing uh, like playing with you. A routine. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. totally. Yeah. And they're kind of back so to deliberate. You know, it's I, incredible. It, there's a lot of intention, right? Yeah, Be- behind how the the record comes together. Dave, what's your kind of sleeper cut from Stakes Is High? I, I was just gonna say, like, Sunshine is the one that stands the fuck out to me. Like, yeah, um, if I were to uh, pull it up on YouTube right now, that's the song I'd play. Yeah, if I'm, you know, dropping off my dry cleaning. <laughs> yeah, you know, seriously. Yeah, like, Dra- great album ender. Yeah, yeah. like it ends Incredible. in this um, hopeful place. A yeah, little bit. exactly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like things are fucked, but. There's a there's a ray and right. it's sunshine and it's maturity <laughs> coming from like the most mature dudes already. Yeah, you know it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That's what about you? Uh, for me, cut. it's Pony Ride, where oh we another God. artist who was introduced here who we don't hear from and that happens throughout the De La Soul cinematic universe is um, uh, Truth Inola, um, where he just has this great line where he's like, "I don't want to go that far to sell my soul. I don't want to go that far." Ah, mm. yeah, uh, mm. yeah. It just he has this like yearning sensibility in his voice and delivery uh that was so interesting and i remember him having like a couple 12s after that um but uh they just brought together they were these elder statesmen by that time in the game and then yeah they just brought people along like hey everybody here's most death go ahead (laughs) go ahead (laughs) you guys play Yeah. yeah um so yeah for me it would definitely be a pony ride was always my my sleeper what's yours nate um, that's a good question. Um, Pony we we, we talked about this earlier. Long Island Agrees oh, is one of their so best good. songs. It's just like, um, having pride in your neighborhood when you're not from the coolest place is, I yeah, think, something yeah, yeah. we can all <laughs> relate <laughs> to. We think about, talk about uh, being <laughs> San Joseans. Yeah. Um, and I I just thought that it, it's a hard beat, and it's like it's again, it's it's a much more bright song than you perhaps remember like mm-hmm. they're, they, it's like, they, this is not some like uh demonstration of society's ills yeah, <laughs> it's right, just like yeah, this right. like fun awesome you're like i'm driving through long island on a from. cool day yeah, yeah totally there's a warmness to it yeah and there's like kind of a call and response element to it and it, it's just it's just a good song it's just like you know it's not going to change the world but that's yeah. what hip-hop i've been thinking a lot about like how much Listening to hip hop from wherever you are in the world teaches you about other places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I was, yeah. I was talking about this um, on a phone call recently with Gang, who's from New York, and I, we were talking. I, I don't remember why we got on this subject, but I'm like, why do I know Wine Dance and, and Bayshore <laughs> and right. like all these like micro yeah. neighborhoods of yeah. Long Island? And right. it's like because rappers are from there. Yep. Totally. And they yep. talk about it in yep. their music, and it's like you know, like with you learn a lot about Atlanta. You learn right. a lot about Houston. You learn yeah, a lot right, about right. Oakland and Vallejo yeah. Yeah. and the names of the streets and what areas are safe and dangerous. And like you just learn so much right. from listening um, to rap music, and it, it's really rooted in a sense of place. And so I think because I've been thinking about that a lot for hopefully a project in the future, this is, like, something that's just really resonating with me right now because, like, I've been to New York six or seven times, never stepped foot on Long Island. Like, mm-hmm. why yeah. would, well, would you? Yeah, it, nobody's it made a compelling case for it. Kind of reminds me of just the beginning of Big Brother where they're, like, centralized or way, way out, out in the in sticks, the sticks. Yep. you know? Oh, totally. There you go. Yeah, so you yeah. You guys seem to be able to quote pretty easily from this record. It's a pretty good record. <laughs> 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 Hmm. <laughs> hmm. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I with this record, sometimes I'm, I, I kind of feel like this was De La Soul for everybody else. I kind of mm, feel like this is a De La Soul mm. record. If you're going to start somebody on a De La Soul record from zero, I would give them stakes as high. If you were going to give a head. Yeah, I wouldn't be like three feet high, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know? it's, it's the starting point. And so I think I've always had a bit of a like, okay, yeah, this, you know, I'm, I know, you know, everybody loves De La, but this is their kind of, this is them doing a contemporary thing. This is not the thing that they necessarily started. But it's been interesting to see that they've kind of kept along that. And I think the element is Prince Paul. It Before and after Paul is where the 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 most distinct shift in their career is. Yes, yeah. but I still think the beats are really good. Oh, for sure. They're excellent. They're not like dropping off a cliff, like as you might expect when like the Sonic Architect is no longer involved in a right. project. And to see that they came back together and were doing stuff to prep things for yeah, the release beautiful. and that they yeah. still have a good relationship has just been really heartening but yeah man stakes is high for many years i had this shirt i got it at this boutique on hate street called red five that n- has not existed for decades um it was the logo of this but it corrected the grammar right and right, it said right stakes are uh-huh. high yeah and oh, I, seen uh, that. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if you've ever seen that jerry seinfeld bit where he's like uh, men will wear a piece of clothing until it just like like blows, <laughs> blows away like a daffodil. That was that yep. shirt for me. Like I wore that everywhere for so many. I remember years. that one. Yeah. Well, totally. dude. I mean, the 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 font is just iconic. Totally. You know yeah. I mean? And then so there's that piece of daylight too, right? When you look across the records, each record had its unique uh, aesthetic. The stakes is totally. Photo full, is on full yeah, on art project. Full on art project. Top to bottom. Yeah. Like everything is is pretty. Yeah. Um, uh, Michelle Willems did the art. Okay. For this, Beautiful. We, we've interacted with her a little bit on Instagram. She's mm-hmm. like such a cool person, and um, she's she you know is in- responsible for this incredible artwork and just feel and type. Like, I don't know if she does the actual typography, but if she does, like more props than I even was giving it. Yeah. credit for and like uh, you know even the inner sleeve of this is iconic they're standing in the white field right like you know right. that imagery would kind of later show up in like matrix and other yeah. thing it's just it's just so interesting it's just such a a full package and we we talked about this a little bit on the um public enemy thing but de la didn't have s1ws or anything but they yeah. did give you all you could want as a fan like they right. gave yeah. you imagery right. they gave you right Packaging, they gave you tidbits, music, fashion, yeah, yeah, fashion, fashion. Yeah. oh, the fashion, fashion, proclamations, all that, dude. Yeah, hugely yeah. influential in so many different things, and um, yeah, this four album run cannot be fucked with. Cannot be fucked. Uh, with. that was gonna be my next question. Yeah, is their zero to f- or one to four is the best four album run of of any rap group ever? And Outkast had a, an amazing run. Well, um, I mean, I I, w- I was gonna say Gangstar, but I can't cl- count the first Gangstar as right, a great album. Right. Their four album run came after that. Right. So yeah. our, our first four, I hear you. Right. Hear yeah. You yeah first yeah, four yeah, versus yeah. four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's really hard. And you know, that's it's a fucked up argument because people come along <laughs> when they come along. Like, if the best rap group ever came out today, they would have a hard time matching what De La Soul did because oh. De La Soul did it when they did it. Right. Um, but it's an amazing uh, body of work that's coming back to streaming. Um, so we're hoping everybody can tap in with it, listen to it, um, buy it, buy it, right. please. Uh, buy downloads, buy physical stuff, buy shirts, buy merch, buy everything. If they do shows, go to it, man. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. which we will we'll definitely have to pull up if there's there's some oh iteration. Goodness. Um, yeah. So I I'm I'm really glad we got a chance to kind of uh drill down on this as we've mentioned many times. Like De La Soul is foundational to all of us as music listeners, and also to the formation of this podcast. 
and our music musical sensibilities and shit. I'm kind of like I have been trying to dress like them <laughs> <laughs> for forty years straight. Yeah, like that's, uh, you have uh, this fashion sensibility I like to call a uh, professor professor of African American <laughs> studies. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I think uh, now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of that is actually like trying to do Dela. Yeah, yeah, like if Dela had to go to work. If Paul's had to pull up and like manage a program, how would he dress? You know what I mean? Like a, a fly scarf and slacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, they've laid such a such a path for so many of us. So, uh, salute to Dela. You guys should definitely check out all of the releases when they come out. See if you agree with our assessments. And you know, this is the type of shit you can expect on the Dad Bod Rap Pod uh, on Twitter at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Instagram at Dad Bod Rap Pod on patreon we should do some type of de la soul oh, thing. we will we yeah. will for sure yeah, yeah there's much much more to talk about there's always more to talk about with yeah. de la and that we, we can figure something out specifically for the patreon community yeah maybe uh is is the aoi series any good i saw that that regurgitate uh you know i revisited them years later and i remember liking it more than when i first listened to them so i'll give it that but i i, I think it does um a warrant a, a revisit i i need to re-listen i was pretty actively against it at the time um i just didn't get it i never got like, like i feel like as you guys have heard for the last hour hour and change we feel like we really get these yeah four records and grind eight um you know obviously the standout is always going to be rock cocaine flow but it's a understandable <laughs> album as well yeah. um I, I got yeah. it i didn't love it as much as the other ones but how could i love anything as much these yeah. are literally some of the best right. records and then aoi i was like i, d I don't get it you guys like yeah. You're in space? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about aesthetics. I mean, it's such a huge jump. I mean, they're, they're wearing, like, costumes in the front. You know what like I compare it to? And we'll, we should get into this. We should make them pay to listen to this. Um, <laughs> you know what I compare it to? It's kind of like their inter... What is that? The intergalactic record for the Beastie Boys. Uh, with Hello Nasty. Hello Nasty. It's their Hello Nasty. It's like, we still got it. Here are some interesting songs. Um but if you've loved us for a long time, you're going to be kind of pissed. But, <laughs> I, I, but I, I liked Hello Nasty when it yeah, came out. Hello, I do, I do. Hello Nasty is the last good record, not the first bad record for me. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And we will... Uh, we can have that debate sometime. That's, yeah, too. that's a tasty question. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, subscribe to our Patreon now. Uh, Y'all can always throw out ideas if you just want to know. Uh, what we think about different things, but it's a great place to interact with and us. And we will do like AMA kind of things. Like we will like take yeah. take questions a lot more readily. Yeah, on there. We would. But, and sometimes you guys have really good ideas, and we're like, oh yeah, we should do something like that. Yeah. So si step one: don't hit us on the Twitter DMs. Sign up for Patreon, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/DadBodRapPod. <laughs> we, we only answer DMs on OnlyFans. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's new vids drop next week. Um, <laughs> Hit us up, subscribe. The subscriber community has been growing, um, and we're really appreciative of that. Um, and yeah, keep keep rocking with uh, De La Soul forever. Dad Bod Rap Pod. Yeah.